Um, so Mark chapter 1, and if you've been here the last, I guess, three or so weeks, I've been kind of recapping, um, verbally, pro- verbally processing uh, my trip to Israel. We had a team go to Israel, and, and so uh, when you're in the land, the geography a lot of times will inspire you spiritually. Just seeing where Jesus walked, seeing the things that went down, Old Testament, New Testament, the places that the disciples walked, the, when, you know, the places where we were at the place where Joshua was when the, when the sun stopped in the sky. And you, you're just like, man, the sun stopped in the sky like right there. You know, There's something about the geography that can inspire you spiritually. So I've just kind of been sharing some of the things that came while we were there and then some of the things that have come after as I'm re- recounting that time. So I want wanted to do the same thing uh, here. One of the first uh, days, actually I think it was the very first day, we went to up into the uh, Galilee area and we talked about Galilee as a whole the other day about how Galilee means circle. That's just what it means in Hebrew. But in Jesus's day, the area, the region of Galilee became known as the heathen circle because so many uh, pagan nations and people lived and, and worshiped their idols in that area. I, I didn't tell you this because I thought I would save it for tonight, but in that time, there were roughly 240 or so villages, cities, towns in the region of Galilee. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of cities. When you think really that the whole area is not that big, the whole area of you know, Judea, Samaria, Galilee, it's not that big of an area. So you think of 240 cities way back then in that area. But here's the kicker. In each of those cities, and, and scholars, all scholars will say this, in each of those cities there were roughly 15,000 people. So in 240 cities, roughly uh, 15,000 people in those cities. In other words, the place was seriously congested, okay? And so, like we said, a lot of pagans, a lot of uh, idol worship going on. And there were some Jewish people too, those who served Jehovah God. One of the areas that we went to, one of those cities is called Capernaum, okay? Capernaum is... It's a great place to go. There's a lot of things that happen in Capernaum, and I'll talk about a couple of them. One of the things that it's known for is that's where Jesus uh, chose as a hub for his ministries. The three, the three years that he was going out and stuff, he would always kind of come back to Capernaum. Even though Nazareth was where he was from, he chose Capernaum. And if you know the story, it's because they rejected him in Nazareth. Remember that? It's like, who? Isn't this Jesus? Isn't this Joseph? Isn't this Joseph and Mary's son? This is the guy who fixed my door. You know what I mean? He was a carpenter. This is the guy who built that table for me. And by the way, it has never wobbled. You know what I mean? And so, but, he, but they, didn't, um, they didn't respect him. They didn't receive the word. Remember Jesus said a prophet is not, uh, is not received in his own town. And so he didn't base out of there. He, his hub was out of Capernaum. So that's one of the big things that's kind of a draw. You're like, man, this is where Jesus would chillax when he was in between ministries. But we went to a place, um, and I've got a picture of it. Um, But if you look at the top, you can see that big structure there. And of course, it's ruins, so it's kind of ruined. It used to look way better. But that was the synagogue for Capernaum. And if you look down there, you can see all these little uh, walls. Those are like half walls. Um, And you see the little squares and the cutouts. Those were houses, you guys. No, not one big house. Oh, yeah, my house was about that big. No, I'm talking about, look, one, two, three. I mean, there could be... In that area, there could be two to three houses. It's hard to know the exact layout. You see the stairs here? There were little upper rooms and little... But that was the foundation of the original houses way back then. And so um, you'll notice how close those houses are to the synagogue. It's just right there. Where I took this picture from is this 
room building thing that they built over, and I get this, that they built over Peter's house. And a couple different things, and we're going to look at it, but this is some significant things happened in Peter's house. And so they kind of built this monument over it. But I want you to look. This is Peter. I'm literally looking out. It's a, it's a construction over Peter's house, so Peter's house didn't stand up that high. But look how close Peter's house was to the synagogue. Right? You guys see that? You, you got to pick that up. Okay? So I wanted you to see this. Go to the next slide. What else we got up there? Oh, yeah. So there's some inside of that building. There's, there's like these columns. That's kind of the bottom of a column. And they were all inset with these, uh, with these scriptures or these inscriptions in Latin. Um, this one says, this one right here, you see at the very end of that first see, see, uh, sentence, it says Petri. That means Peter. Basically what this says is, when he has come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother and the fever left her and he healed all that were sick. We'll get to that in a minute. Go to the next one. Um, this one says, uh, and bringing one sick that had palsy, they uncovered the roof and said, and Jesus said to him, arise, take up a bed. We'll get to that part too, actually today. And then the number, the third one, go to the next one. You can see where it says Matthew, Jesus vided Matthew. That what that means is Jesus saw Matthew and said to him, follow me. And he, uh, Matthew rose and followed him. This, uh, Matthew, the disciple Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Matthew was from Capernaum, and that's where he was when Jesus called him. So there's some significant things that happened in Capernaum, significant things that happened just under that. You could look down, and you're like, I bet Jesus sat right there. That looks like a great seat. So you can see all that, okay? So turn to Mark 1. Let me go ahead and do this, because this will help you kind of follow along with a sense of purpose, okay? Let me give you this whole sermon in one sentence. Are you ready for it? You've got to write it down. When my house is close to his house, it will become a hub for the Holy Spirit. So Mark chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 21. They, it says here in verse 21 that they went into Capernaum. By the way, Capernaum means um, comfortable village. I think that's interesting that Jesus chose a comfortable village for him to set up and have his ministry hub from. Don't you think? Isn't that interesting? Not comfortable in the sense of, oh, nothing intense or hard will ever happen here, but it's just a place that he felt comfortable being who he was and doing what he did and hubbing and centering out from there. Isn't that interesting? Maybe he even chose it because it meant <laughs> comfortable village. I don't know. They went into Capernaum and it says immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and began to teach. Now what that means is, as soon as they got into town, the first Sabbath, he didn't wait and kind of get settled in. And, you know, I'm going to buy, make sure that buy, buy the right bedspread that matches the curtains and get settled in. No, he didn't waste any time. The first Sabbath, he went into the synagogue. He didn't take a day off. He went into the synagogue and it says that he began to teach. They were amazed at his teaching for he was teaching them. As one having authority. Everybody say, as one having, and we'll say this kind of manly, even if you're not manly. I mean, ladies. Authority. As one having authority. And not as the scribes. In other words, when the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders would teach, they didn't have any authority. They would literally quote other commentaries and, and, and writers and things, uh, people who had said things maybe even years ago. And that's okay. I do that from time to time. 
But they did it without any authority. They were other people's words. Sometimes you have to have your own word from the Lord. Isn't that right? Amen? Just then there was a man in their synagogue. This is interesting that he was in there. But it says that he had an unclean spirit and he cried out. In other words, he had a demon that was living in him and had control over him. And this demon said, What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? And if you were here a few weeks ago, that means a little bit more to you now. What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him and said, Be quiet and come out of him. I love that. He's like, Shh. It wasn't like, I see, the deal is, is, is Jesus wasn't the first one to try to cast out demons. People had been doing that for years and they had all these little seances and they had all these little rituals and these things that they would do, a lot of superstitions to drive them out. And a lot of times whenever those guys would try to do that, so they would put a bowl of water over to the side filled with water and they would deal with this man. And then after the demon come, would come out, they would command the demon to tip over that glass of water or that cup of water to show everybody that, that there truly was something supernatural going over. But how many of you know there was a lot of bowls of water that weren't tempted over? And here Jesus is like, shh, you know what I mean? I just think it's cool. Anyway, we'll get into that. Throwing the demon, throwing the man into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. They were all amazed, so they were Um, And so they debated among themselves, saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. Everybody, authority. Come on. He commands even the unclean spirits, the demons, to come out, and they obey him. Immediately, immediately, the news about him spread everywhere, all the surrounding district of Galilee. Now, it's a small place, but lots of people. Small place, lots of people. 240 cities, 15,000 each. A lot of people heard about Jesus really quick. So look what happens next. And immediately after they came out of the synagogue, can you put that very first picture back up? Immediately after they came out of the synagogue, they were done for the day, church was over. It says that they did not go to Chili's. It says that they came into the house of Simon and Andrew. Andrew was Simon's brother, Peter. And so I want you to picture this. There's a couple of exits you can see, but like right where the picture's taken from is where they went to. Sometimes we read the Bible and we think, man, they probably stopped by Walmart, get some fruit for the week. They probably did this. But listen, it says immediately they went from the synagogue to Simon and Andrew's house. Literally, if you walk from that place to the other, it will take you roughly one minute. And so Peter's house was close to God's house. Now, that's a physical closeness. But I was thinking about that. In fact, show that very last picture on the slide. Amy captured this picture, and I I saw it. I'm sitting there looking over all this, looking down into the the houses and, and, and reconciling how close that was, remembering this scripture, remembering this passage, this scene, and reconciling. I'm like, I'm like, dude, that didn't take them very long to get to Peter's house. I mean, they were just right there. And then I got to thinking, why was everybody living so close to the synagogue? So get that again. The synagogue was that close to Peter's house. Again, I'm not talking so much about physical proximity. Being physically close to God's house. I'm talking about spiritually. Can you see why 
that makes sense? Remember what I said. When my house is close to his house, it will become a hub for the Holy Spirit. Peter's house was physically close. Our house needs to be spiritually close. When I say our house, what I mean is our heart and our house, our home. Our heart and our home. You guys know the scriptures that talks about um, our body being the temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6. Don't you realize that your body is a temple or a home for the Holy Spirit who lives in you and who, is, who was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. This is God's house. This is a spiritual house. You guys see what I'm saying? So our, 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 um, our heart, 1 Peter 2, 5, you are being built up, and he says, as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are being built up as a spiritual house. And again, your heart, not, I mean, everything about you, what you do, uh, your actions, your attitudes, all of that. Uh, Romans 12, 2, offer your bodies up, which is your spiritual house, as living sacrifices. This is your house. It needs to be given to God. Your house has to be close to his house because he's building you up as a spiritual house. Why? For, the, for a holy priesthood to be a minister, to evangelize like what Grayson was saying. To be someone who is some doing in your own life what happens, what takes place in the temple. So our hearts, but also our homes. Uh, you guys remember the scene in Joshua 24? All these people were going crazy trying to serve all the other gods. He's like, listen, I don't know where you think God has failed you. Listen to me closely because this right here is prophetic for someone. This, I feel like the Lord's showing me this right now. I don't know where the Lord has failed you. Pretend I'm Joshua and you are people who are doing things weird. You know what I mean? Joshua says, I don't know where you feel like God has failed you. If you want to serve the God of the Amalekites, if you want to serve the God of the Amorites, and he lists a couple other, if you want to do that, that's fine with me. It's your life. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When your house is close to his house, it will become a hub for the Holy Spirit. When this house is close to his house, and I think that qualifies itself, that makes sense. But also when my house, my home, as for me and as my house, we will serve the Lord. When that's close to the Lord, when your house and the things taking place in it look so much like the things that happen in his house, Dude, stuff happens. I'm telling you right now. And I want to talk about a few of those things. Can we do that? One of the things that you will find when your house, your heart, and your home is close to his house, not in proximity, but spiritually, one of the things you to find is that your home becomes peaceful. Very, very peaceful. There's a scripture in um, Luke when Jesus was sending out his disciples to go evangelize. Y'all with me? Go evangelize. And here's what he said. This is so interesting. Don't take any money. Don't take a bag. Don't even take shoes. And greet no one on the way. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. Jesus said, I want you to say to this house, peace be to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on them. But if not, it will return to you. 
And notice what he said. If a man of peace is there. Not, if there are 10,000 kids running around, you know why it's not peaceful. That's not what he said. He said, they got dogs running around and there's this weird smell coming from the garbage disposal. Run. That's not what he's saying. If there is a man of peace there, if there is a spiritual house that's close to his house. Real quick, when Melissa and I were um, just beginning ministry, but people would always say about our houses, man, your home is so peaceful. Now, granted, that has been less so the more kids that we have. But it's still pretty peaceful for the most part. You know, you just have to yell to get it that way. Um, I want to give you this point as you saying it. So here's the first point, but this is what I hope that you will say. Lord, help my house become a house of peace. Would you say that? And if you want to lift a hand as it's literally a prayer, not just the rhetoric that you're repeating after the pastor. If you really hope that that's true and you want that to be true for you, raise your hand up and declare that first point. Lord, out loud, that's what, you know what I mean? Lord, help my house be a house of peace. Did you feel that? It felt like a tingle down my spine. (laughs) Help my house be a house of peace. The second thing is this. uh, When your house is close to his house, your house would become a house of healing. Your house would become a house of healing. Look what happens. Immediately they came out of the synagogue and they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. So Jesus, Simon, Andrew, James, and John got into this house. Those houses are small. So those five men in there, this place was packed already. It said, now Simon's mother-in-law, which means Simon's wife's mom, was lying sick with a fever. Now if you read and study on this, you read that it's a, it was just a very common fever. It'd be like a kid having a fever or, or you're just a little under the weather and you have that fever. It wasn't a major deal. It was very common. Uh, there's a name for it. And I can't remember what that was, but it was just a very common fever in that area. Okay. So she had a fever and it says that they immediately spoke to Jesus about it. Uh, Jesus, we're here. Uh, man, there's no supper on the table. My mom's sick, man. She's got a fever. Jesus is like, oh, well. And so it says, Jesus went over to her Raised her up. If you look in Matthew, it says Jesus touched her. So imagine, (coughs) you know what I mean? Jesus touched her. That's what it says in Matthew, the Matthew 8 account. It says he came to her, raised her up, touched her, taking her by the hand, and the fever left. And that's amazing. But what's more amazing, when we just get over a fever, we're kind of like down for a couple days. Man, I had a fever for two days. I'm still kind of feeling, you guys know what I'm talking about? It says she immediately got up and began serving them. She's got burgers on the grill. She's deep frying french fries. I mean, it's, there's five men that just walked in the house. We've got to serve these guys up. Just like that. Why? Because this was a home of peace. Jesus chose to go there. He could have went to any home. He could have went to Chile. He could have went wherever he wanted to to eat, but he chose that home. You know why? Because I believe it was a home of peace. Amen? And when he got there, something that took place was healing. And I love that he just touched her. You know why? Because he had authority. The same authority that he just cast out that demon by going, shh, shh. And then he touched her, and she was healed. Listen to me. When your house is close to God's house, it's going to be a house that's full of peace. It's going to be peaceful. God's there. It's just shalom all over your house. But another potential is that there could be healing to take place. Now, this was a physical healing. 
But we know people, we encounter people that need to get out of their chaotic worlds and come over and be invited to your house for hamburgers and french fries so that they can experience peace. The results could be some form of healing for them. Can I keep reading? When evening came after the sun had set, now, so get this, this was on the Sabbath. Remember, he was teaching on the Sabbath. If you know anything about that culture, you know it shuts down. You don't walk, you don't work, you don't do anything. You do the minimal, they had a minimal amount of steps that you could take on the Sabbath. That's probably why people live so close to the synagogue. I'm not kidding, not, that's really part of it. Anyway, and so what was I talking about? Oh, so after the sun had set, so get this, Everybody's in their homes. They're, they're abiding by the Sabbath law, rules, and all this stuff. But when the sun goes down, Sabbath is over. And you have 240 cities that by now, or at least maybe, let's say it was just the surrounding 10. Times 15,000 equals, what is that, Nick, like 150,000? Look what it says. When evening came, after the sun had set, they began bringing to him... All who were ill. In other words, everybody's out and about. And guess where they're going? To the house of Shalom. Why? Because they heard about this guy that did the healing in God's house. So they're going to go to this house. They began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon possessed. And the whole city had gathered at the door. Can we put that first picture up there? Where? Where are you going to put them? What do you mean they were gathered at the door of the house? Like, where, you mean they were gathered around? They were everywhere, you guys. To get into what? That one door where that one man was ministering his peace and his power. Amen? And it's something that started in the house of God. But because Peter's house was close to God's house, it continued on. Isn't that good? And he healed many who were ill with various diseases. He casted out demons and he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. And we don't have to get into all that. It says, in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went away to a secluded place. And we're just going to read for a while. And praying there, Simon and his companions searched for him and said, man, everybody's looking for you. They want some more miracles. Jesus said, let us go somewhere else to some other towns nearby so that I can preach there also. For that is what I came for. When he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out the demons. So in the synagogues, in God's house, he was still doing all of these same things. A leper came to Jesus, besieging him, falling on his knees, saying, If you are willing, can you make me clean? Jesus said, Of course I'm willing. Be cleansed. Don't you love that? Now, where does that come from? Thank you. We'll get back to that. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. See that you say nothing about this. Go show yourselves to the priest. Offer your cleansing, which Moses uh, commanded a testimony to them. Um, But he went out and he began to proclaim it freely. The guys started talking about it anyway, which means more towns are hearing more about what Jesus did. You guys hearing me? Lots of people. I love this because it says, when he had come back to Capernaum, Several days afterwards. So he came back to Capernaum. If he came back to Capernaum, where did he most likely come back to? Huh? Peter's house. Why? Because that was the hub. Capernaum, but specifically Peter's house. Look what it says. 
When he had come back to Capernaum seven days later, it was heard that he was at home, Peter's house. And many were gathered together so that there, were no long, there was no longer room, not even near the door. And he was, he was speaking to the word. Can we put that first picture up there? Yeah. So get this. All those people around, you couldn't even get to the door. It was just people everywhere. Are you, this is good that we have this visual, isn't it? So get, look at what happens. And we're gathered together. There's no longer any room, not even near the door. He was speaking the word to them. And they came bringing to him some men, a group of men, came bringing him somebody that was paralyzed. Other versions say he had palsy. And he was carried by four men. Now listen to this. Being unable to get to him, (laughs) you think? There's people everywhere. Being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof. Everybody say, rip off the roof. Are you kidding me? If you came to my house and started ripping off the roof, who do you call? I knew somebody was going to say that. I was about to say it. No, they call the popo. They call police. But being able, unable to get him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had dug an opening in the roof, these four men, not even the guy that, obviously the paralytic guy couldn't do anything. These, his friends did it. His community did it. Remember that. And when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And seeing their faith, Jesus, stood, uh, Jesus said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Man, Jesus is a man of few words, right? Few words, but much authority. authority. Here's this last thing. And, and let me just say this. Lord, um, help my house be a house of peace. Lord, help my house be a house of healing. But Lord, as my house gets closer and closer and closer to your house, let my house become a house of hope. We forgot to declare that second one together. Can we declare that second one together? Can we put that up there? Yes. Ready? Lord, help my house be a house of healing. Now let's go ahead and declare that third one. My bad. With gusto. With gusto. Lord, help my house be a house of hope. Think about the hope that must have been in this man. Not even so much in the man, but the men that were carrying him. They knew if they can just get this man into that house that held the peace, the shalom, the healing, everything will be okay. Can I ask you a question? When is the last, some, the last time, and this is kind of a hard question to, to answer or even ask, but when is the last time someone was desperate to get with you? To get to your house. The truth is, some of you may be asked or inquired of a lot. Man, can we get together? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, man. Let's look at our schedules. Yeah, 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 man. Yeah, yeah. But we just put it off, or we don't have time, or we don't. I mean, the guy kind of annoys me, and I just don't like. Every time I'm with him, I just kind of, you know, perspire, and I don't know. We put it off. Listen, some of you. The answer to that is a lot, but I just put them off. You could be robbing them of their hope. You could be robbing them of their healing. Hear what I'm saying? You could be robbing them of an opportunity to experience what the Scripture calls the 
peace that surpasses all understanding. Maybe some of you would answer it like this. Man, nobody ever asks to get with you. I've never had anybody ask me over for lunch. I've never had anybody. How close is your house to God's house? Because when your house is close to God's house, your house, your person, and your home becomes a place of hope. And people want to get to you as soon as they can. That's easy for you to say, Tony. You're a pastor. People want to get with you because they think you're the bomb. Well, I think I'm the bomb too. But that is not why people want to get with me. Because if I can, when I can, before I was a pastor, before I was in ministry, I would open my heart and open my home and just see what God would do. Amen? Some of you might be saying, um, you know, but it takes so much effort to minister to people on that level. And that's the reason many people will say no and not really engage in ministry. I say ministry. I just mean serving. Ministry means to minister. It means to serve. Many people won't engage in ministry on that level. because It's really kind of too hard. I mean, it takes too much time. It's too, I mean, you just disappointment. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. It's, really? Because I'm reading these accounts and I'm seeing a man of very few words but very much authority say simple things but amazing transactions. What did he say to the demons? Be quiet, come out. That didn't seem too hard. What did he say to Peter's mom? He may not have said anything. He's like, come on, woman, I'm hungry. Give me some hamburgers on the table, you know. (laughs) And then what did he say to uh, the man, well, really the foreman and all, and the guys that came through that ripped the roof off? He said, son, your sins are forgiven. Listen, it does not take as much as you think it does to offer peace, to offer healing, to offer hope. But the one thing it does take, and I'll say it this way, effective ministry, serving effective ministry flows out of spiritual authority. If you want spiritual authority, because I I really, I thought about this. I think there are people who say, I do kind of want to do that. That would be cool. There might be some people who say, I I would like to be used that. If I knew that it was that easy, if I knew it was that easy to help people, I would open my heart and my home more often. It is that easy. But let me tell you, it's only easy if you are doing it with spiritual authority. If you want to be an effective minister, if you want to be somebody that's effectively ministering shalom, peace, if you want to see healing happen in your house, and when I say in your house, I mean when you're with somebody, when your house is with someone else, or in your home, you want to see people healed from something as simple as a fever, but as more complicated as demon possession, <laughs> and of course, anything in between. You notice that it was all the same. It was all the same. Same authority that, that touched the lady, fever gone, was the same authority that he sent demons flying around. Effective ministry flows out of spiritual authority. Now let me end with this. How do you get your house close to his house? First thing, is, and let me just say it this way. You've got to write this down. And some of you are going to be like, oh, man, I hate when people say stuff like this. You must build your life around his church. Can I say it that way? 
If you want your house to be a house of uh, peace, hope, and healing, if you want to be an effective minister and minister with spiritual authority, then you have got to build your life around his house. Now, let me qualify that. When I say his house, I'm talking about his, I'll tell you three things I'm talking about. I'm talking about God's word. It's got to be prevalent in your life. It's got to be the main thing. It's got to be, it's got to be there. I'm, I'm in it. I'm giving it. I'm, I'm memorizing it. It's changing my life. His, um, God's word. Also, God's ways. Meaning the word's actually doing something. And like we prayed earlier, it's producing fruit according to righteousness, which is what Scripture says that Jesus' heart is, is that you don't merely be hearers of the word. James said it, but he was repeating something Jesus probably said. Don't just be a hearer of the word. Be a doer of the word. Do what it says. And when we are a man and woman of God's word and we are walking in his ways, stuff happens. The third thing is this, though. God's word, God's ways, and God's people. God's people. Build your life around his church, around God's word. By the way, that's where the word was delivered back then, for the most part, was in synagogue. That's what Jesus was doing that day. They were hearing the scriptures, learning, being, it was like a big life group. His ways and his people. And this is the hard one. Because I can maybe deal with God's word and I can deal with his ways, but man, I cannot deal with people. Listen, start praying that God will change your heart with that. Because people need you. They need shalom. They need healing. They need hope. Well, who's supposed to give it to them, you guys? Jesus said, I will build. This is what I came to do. Set people free and build my church. But I will build my church. And it says the gates of hell will not prevail. For the hell, gates of hell to prevail means it will, what, what would be the evidence of hell prevailing over the church? What would be the evidence? Somebody tell me. Somebody tell me. I give you a hint. We said that last week. An ineffective church. I will build my church. It will fulfill its purpose. The gates of hell will not prevail. If it were to prevail on any level, that prevailing would be a church ineffective. Has anybody ever witnessed an ineffective church? The statement where I said, build your life around the church. Oh, no, 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 no. But Jesus is saying, uh, yes, 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 yes. If you want your house to be a house of peace, healing, and hope, then you have got to get your house close to his house. And when you do, your house will become, become a hub for the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's stand.